um, I, I had a particularly bad day um, and stuff. I just didn't. There's too many chances I had to, to make some things happen, and I tried too hard at times, and and uh, kind of got <clears throat> in the flow of it, and just really disappointed. Just disappointed across the board. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, holler at him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. That voice you heard before mine, that was Pete Carroll. In a loss. Chris, they lost. Lost to the damn Saints without Drew Brees. What it what a time to be alive. Final score was what 33-27? Yeah, 33-27. Just a bad, bad game. And because we got the audio from Pete, who like, you know it's bad when the coach come out and like, I had a bad day. Not 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 special teams, not defense, not offense, but all those units had a bad day too. Pete was like, I had a bad day. And I think he's one of the he's one of the people I placed a bunch of blame on in my column that I wrote yesterday. And it's just Correct me if I'm wrong, and I correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's inexcusable, right, for the coach to have a bad day? I know no one's perfect, I guess, but with so much game planning that goes into a game and the the ways that Pete was bad today, it's inexcusable for a coach who just, what, got his 100th win, who's been doing this for a very long time, to have a bad day like he did today. Am I tripping? Yeah, it's one of those things where – you would hope the players didn't game didn't play well enough. You gave them a perfect game plan. They just didn't execute. Right. But when it comes down to you and your decision making, and you just not being there, not being focused, that is a whole different dynamic to you, the point you're alluding to, where that just can't happen. And it happened today. And it's one of those situations where it's a head scratcher, but you got to bounce back, right? Uh, yeah. But and then and here's where here's where there's a lot of places where Pete messed up today, but. So oh, f- man. the first the first one I thought was pretty bad. Like I don't consider the um, they punted on fourth and four from the thirty nine yard line in the first quarter or first half. That to me that's like all right cool. That's just it's softer, but it's not like a mess up, right? And even then they went for it on fourth and one in the second quarter. Yeah, with about two minutes left, and Chris Carson was just right. stuffed, and they didn't get it. And then the, the Saints ended up scoring on a two point under uh, two minute drill. Also, don't consider that a mess up. Maybe that was just a bad move but you can argue it one way or the other i think that you should go try to get for points i understand you think they should have punted no in that situation you're already down 13-7 the momentum has been swung already it's fourth and one you get the ball you flip field and you you put it on your defense to slow them down unfortunately pete decided we're going for this and i personally was saying this is why you punt in these situations because that defense knew where it was going they 100 percent knew it was going to chris carson and in that situation, I get it. You're trying to get points. You're trying to win. But it's four quarters. If your defense, if you get, if Michael Dixon is able to punt that and he gets a good punt, today he struggled. I'll admit that. He wasn't good either. But if he's able to get off a decent punt, put this team in a tough situation where they have to go 80 yards to score a touchdown, that's huge. Whereas opposed to getting stuffed on fourth and one and Teddy Bridger – Bridgewater and the Saints do the two-minute warning and just go down and score, and now you look at it, it's 20-7 to going into half, and the Saints get the ball to start the third quarter. See, I don't – okay, yes, 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 yes. Still disagree, <laughs> but yes. The, the reason I don't call it a mess-up is because you can justify what he did. 
whether you agree or disagree, I, I can find a way to justify Because at the end of the day, you're like, we were trying to be aggressive and score points. Simple. The the, the, the play at the end of the first half where, oh, where Nick Vanette catches the ball. Or was it DK? Hang on. Which play? It's Nick Vanette. I'm pretty sure. It's Nick Vanette catches the ball over the middle with like 30 seconds left or something like that. Okay. They let the clock just bleed with two timeouts. Yes, yes. And then yeah. they go to DK and then there's, yeah. And then right. DK catches a heave, gets up and tries to like, Hand it to the ref or call timeout, and the ref's like, duh. There's no time. The ball was in the air, and the clock ran out. Yeah. You guys are idiots. <laughs> like, you know, like that, there's, see what I'm saying? They see the difference? There's yeah. no justification for yeah, that. That's, that's just you not knowing. Uh, that's, that's not you, like, being a good coach. There's actually, he tried to justify it, too, in his reasoning for it. Pete Carroll, I mean, it didn't make any sense. He was like, well, you know, if, if I had known we were going to get the big play, then I would have called the timeout earlier. It's like, Pete, that's not how that works. <laughs> like, you have to call the timeout so you can try to get the big play. Like, either either you're going to try to run a play after that, or you're not. Like, if the, the Nick player just like, okay, cool, we're going to kneel it, or it's like, oh, we plan on taking a shot, all right, bet, call timeout. Again, that's inexcusable. You can justify being aggressive or being, you know, uh, what's the opposite of aggressive? I don't want to keep using the word soft. Nope, I'm going to just use the word soft. <laughs> yeah, you can justify one way or the other being soft or aggressive, but you can't just, like, justify mismanagement. That that's that's where you're really messing up. He burned a timeout in the second half for really no good reason. He burned a timeout on that uh on that review on the challenge. Terrible. You know what I'm talking about yeah yeah like uh I think I think that was another fourth down play. This is why those high stakes situations are so important, and that's why there's other people in Pete's ear talking to him. But if you don't know what play I'm talking about, it's fourth and one from they're deep in their own territory. And that's the one where Russ overthrows Malik Turner. Yeah, and they're looking for a flag. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Pete Carroll, and after the play, you can see Tyler Lockett, he's like, yo, ref, I got I got tugged on. And then Pete, you know, throws the challenge flag, like, all right, cool, we're challenging for defensive pass interference. But it wasn't even too... <laughs> Problem is, exactly, <laughs> you can't challenge a play for pass interference if the ball didn't go to your guy. That's just defensive holding, if nothing else, which is not reviewable. And they're not gonna, just, hey, we as you, yeah, they're not gonna just randomly say, oh, we missed that one, so let's bring it back. No, because then, as to your point, is before we even hopped on, shoot, they can call Jermaine Effetti for holding randomly. Like, oh yeah, by the way, Jermaine held on that play. We're gonna just review that, and that touchdown doesn't even count. Yeah, see, and <laughs> it's like, did you know that defensive holding is not reviewable? You knew I, that, right? I knew that. You I can, knew that too. You can't. Yeah, if you're gonna call, if you're gonna throw that flag, it is for who you're throwing to. That's it. You're not going to go looking around. Oh, what else is going on in this play? Oh, by the way, I think Tyler Lock was hot on that play. You guys take a look at that? And they're thinking, but no, it was to Malik Turner. You know that, right, Coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to challenge that play. Okay, we're not going to challenge just random acts of, hey, there was a holding if it wasn't even to him. Right. And <laughs> he should know that. That's the thing. Again, another play that's inexcusable. You need those timeouts late in the game. Right now, we're at two plays where, three plays where Pete has no idea what's going on yeah and it's just one that's of those, not good and the explanations weren't even good like after the game they asked him like you know what he said he was advised and he was told that they're gonna go like look at opi and dpi like they're gonna look at the whole play and, and kind of evaluate and he seems to think that they could have gone back and looked at other stuff when that's not really how it works they are looking at the entire play they're looking at the entire play on the ball not the just entire play for random, like you said, holdings and illegal uses of hands and 
chop you name block, it. chop blocks like anything. There could be a murder on the line of scrimmage, <laughs> right? If we didn't call the murder at the beginning, there will be no review of said murder. Like you're just gonna have to take that up with 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 God or Roger Goodell. Like take <laughs> take your pick. P. Carroll said, uh, "This is a direct quote." The official that I talked to saw that and knew that that was away from the play and it wasn't going to get called. They really don't go into reviewing that. It's interesting that they say they're going to review the whole entire play, but they're only looking at OPI slash DPI as far as I understand it, end quote. Yeah, man, that rule is not new, Pete. Like Pete Carroll today and then not going for two at the end of the game. Oh, Not going for two. I think they cut it to 20 to 33. I think that was waving the white flag. He was done. Well, he after the game he admitted like, yeah, he probably should have went for two. It's like, bro, probably. is this your first game? <laughs> he let his guys down just as bad as they let him down. And for them, a lot of the stuff they did was inexcusable too. And we'll get to it real quick. But like for me, I gotta be really hard on Pete today. Like he was bad, and that you you can't you just can't have that. You really can't. Like he let his guys down, and they should be just as disappointed in him, and his whole staff should be disappointed in him. Just as much as they are, or they are of uh, their coaches are of the players for you know, not tackling and Jeez. just looking like a mess up front and everything. Yeah, there, there's no excuse. And speaking of bad tackling, let's just shift right into the defense. Outside of Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, it was pretty awful. Well, it's not even well. Yes, but like everyone missed a tackle on Kamara. I'm pretty sure me and you missed tackles on Alvin Kamara and they just <laughs> didn't get into the stat sheet. For real, bro. He probably, the, the official numbers will probably be out by the time this, sh- this show comes out. But, like, right now I do not have them. But I would imagine, this is not an exaggeration, Kamara probably broke, like, 20 tackles yesterday. Like, or today. Like, broke, like, 20 tackles, I swear. Just say Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. Like, he broke so many tackles. Like, he had that screen pass that scored a touchdown. That was bad. Bro. Three tackles right point blank. Guys just decided, oh, we can't tackle today. And then he walked into the end zone. Well, yes. He quite literally walked. He pulled a Marshawn Lynch. Only thing he didn't do was grab his stuff. Yo. <laughs> Bradley McDougal comes flying and tries to lay Kamar out. Bounces right off of him. Delano Hill sticks his nose right in there. Bounces right off. Even Bobby missed a tackle on him. Got to wrap in up, the second man. half. Like, no one was wrapping this cat up. Michael Kendricks bounced right off him on a screen pass. Everybody was getting froze up by this cat. It's cr- now, again, to tackle that poorly on a dude you know you got to wrap up on, inexcusable. I guess there's a reason why he's the rookie of the year, two-time pro bowler. I mean, but... At this point, you still got to wrap up, man, and tackle as a team and not try to make the big play, especially in a situation where you're losing and you need to get these tackles. You got to get it done, man. I mean, they only had – how many good players did the Saints have? Michael Thomas. They had two? Yeah. Did you know they still had – did you know Ted Ginn Jr. was in the league? Yeah, I knew that. You knew that? Okay. I Googled that during the game. I did not know. It's okay. He's he's old. Bro, he's 34. I think he had two catches today I don't for a minimal game. He has a couple targets. It was the first – he, uh, I think he got targeted, and you know there's a there's a guy in the press box who like says, oh, you know, incomplete pass to whoever, whoever. And you said what? It was the first quarter. He was like uh, Bridgewater, those incomplete intended for Ted Ginn Jr. I was like, timeout. He's still playing. Which team has Ted Ginn? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? He had five targets, by the way. He still used yo five and things. I did I did not know, and I have no problem admitting. I think last year, who did I not know was still in the league? Oh, it was Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, yeah. I didn't know the Chiefs had Kelvin Benjamin. We had Benjamin. a whole five-minute little discussion about that. I was rolling, but I'm, yeah. I'm not even, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to admit that. No, it's I okay. I didn't know they had Teg in. I didn't As know. I said then, you're covering the Seattle Seahawks. Anyone outside of that, 
you really don't need to know about. I mean, I know like the basics. Like I know the Saints O line is decent. I know you know they got some good guys on defense. You're covering this team. Right. Anything that happens outside the Seahawks, you might care, you might not. It's not important. That's all I'm saying. Also, I think if we here's another thing. I know KJ and Bobby played really like KJ I thought played a good game. Yeah. He was really upset about the defensive pass interference. You just can't do it. It is what it is. We reviewed the play. <laughs> I don't. I know KJ was mad. I know Bobby disagreed with the call. It was pass interference. Yeah, no way to. Yeah, you stumbled and fell. Dude didn't touch. The tight end didn't touch you or bump you. You just literally tripped on your own feet. Unfortunately, running into Kamara, which in that situation would have been a touchdown for him, but he was tackled. <laughs> yeah, like that's just. I mean, that was right there. You can't really argue that. Now, another player that KJ is probably going to dislike looking back is, too, remember he had that, that pass breakup yes. on third down? Mm. He kind of needed to catch that. Yeah, those are other are plays <sighs> you want back. And in these situations, when you're playing a game, it's going fast. Oh, I could have got that. I did, I did this wrong. But when you look back at film and you look at where the game is and where your team's at, those are one of those big plays that you need to make to get your offense back on the field. Maybe even a pick six. Those are things that you need. The reason I – so immediately when he when he just batted it down, it's like a third down play to Michael Thomas, I think, which is crazy that KJ was guarding Michael Thomas on third down, which is crazy. But the reason I thought about it is because I think at halftime, my homie Zach, shout out to Zach, he tweeted me. He was like, yo, remember the um, Houston game from 2013? He was like, just buckle up. And I, I tweeted him back. I was like, you're going to need a turnover. Because remember that game, the big defining moment is, is uh, Sherm getting that pick six. Like you need those, those like uh, momentum swingers. Game yeah, game changers. Those game breaker type plays. Like it's not enough to just bat a ball down when your offense is playing like that and you guys can't tackle. You got to pick that. And I think that was one of those things that makes me. It kind of illustrates how this team is different than like those past teams. Yeah. I think I've, we've talked about this a little bit before. Those other teams were just elite at being clutch and great when greatness was required. I think Frank Clark would always say that to me after games. He was like, be your best when your best is needed. I think KJ needed to make that that play to your point. He needed a pick six or someone needed to make a big play. And that that didn't happen today or Sunday. Both of those plays. Another one, too, is not defense. It's um, it's fourth down and Tyler Lockett has to one-hand that ball that Russ kind of overthrew. It's a hard catch. It's a hard play. Just like KJ catching that pick would have been a hard play, and then taking it back would have been even harder. Got to lay out. But you got to be great in those moments if you want something great to happen. You yep. can't be okay and expect something great to happen. Yeah. So like that again. That was the difference. It's like okay, even on that fourth down when he overthrew um, Malik Turner when Russ overthrew Malik Turner. The reason that he checked into a throw on fourth and one, which would typically be a run situation, is because he saw they didn't have no safeties. Yeah. And they you were, take that opportunity there. You know who. You know who would have probably made a play in that DK? situation? No, no, no. Oh. Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Would have made a play because yeah. you can't play cover zero against Doug. He will make you play. He'll they make would. Play. They wouldn't do cover zero. They've d- Teams do it, though. The Packers did and found out what happened. Yeah. Well, teams. Actually, the Chiefs were doing it, too. Yeah. It's like, so, but that's a difference between this team, I think, at least so far. Yeah, we're well, three I'm games gonna, I'm not going to make too many, like, broad judgments, but, like, you're, you're seeing it. It's little... But it's the difference between, like, a really great team and just a really good, good team. team. Okay. Because, you know, the cliche football is a game of inches. Sometimes the inch is not necessarily like a, you know, a, a, was a little index card they had in that Raiders game last year. Sometimes <laughs> it's not that. Sometimes it's the difference between Tyler making that one-handed catch or a turnover on down. Or KJ making an interception instead of batting it down. Yeah, or the difference between KJ actually running into 
the uh, the tight end who was trying to do the pick play. And then, okay, then it's a pass interference on the offense, and then maybe you stop the Saints and you still got a chance. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah. little, the little stuff right there, you just need greatness when greatness is required. And yesterday just was not that. Yesterday was just a mess, bro. Everybody was bad. Yeah, it was tough, man. Sunday, tough L for the Seahawks, but there was a lot when you think about it. But I was actually shocked that the old line didn't give up any sacks as poorly as everybody else played around them. And what else happened? The O line, for the most part, kept Russ upright. Yeah, that's also and Russ he was also doing used, a lot of moving. Yeah, he did. He used his legs a lot today too, and was able to pick up a few yards here and there, which we haven't seen from Russ in quite some time. He's usually just dropping back and throwing darts to Tyler Lockett, who's open. But today it, things changed, and you got to give a lot of credit to the Saints' defense for stepping up the way they did. And yeah, that was crazy, man. Well, the the other thing about you know, real quick before we move on to the the other big problem they had, is like Russell. You know who Russell looked like in the in the second half? He looked like Lamar Jackson, the way he was running like that, dropping back. Okay, I don't see nothing. All right, let me go get these yards. Like that should always be, like an option for him. That should be part of the plan because really, like this team is most dynamic when Russell's kind of doing a little bit of everything. I don't think he should just like turn into Lamar because that's dangerous. But you know, but like to keep on the zone read for the touchdown. Like, do that on the goal line. Like, absolutely, like he did. So I, I, people have always asked me why they don't, like, kick it in the gear earlier, and I really think there's a lot of things that go into that. I think the philosophy, the poor execution. I mean, yeah, uh, they came out today throwing these, these quick screens to Chris Carson. I'm thinking, that should be the Tyler Lockett. Yeah. <laughs> it got, I think he got two yards, but I'm, I'm thinking, no. I get what you're trying to do, but if you're going to do that, go to Tyler Lockett. Give a guy that's known for making those type of plays doing that. Don't hand the ball to Chris Carson. That's where he exceeds. Tyler Lockett, those are his plays that I think the Seahawks should, okay, hike, throw a right to him on the, on the line of scrimmage, make him make a corner miss, and see if he can get upfield for a big game. Yeah, I see to a game like today is why, at least with the second half, is why, you know, I'm really against their offensive philosophy. I've said it a million times on this show. I think they can be a lot closer to the Chiefs than they can be to the Vikings. You know, the Vikings aren't throwing it. I think they've thrown 63 times all year. I think I saw that stat, right, when I pulled up to you today. Dalvin Cook. But it's just like and they've done that. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are just airing it out looking great. Yeah. I think you can do that. It is a balance there. You don't have to be the Chiefs. You don't have to all the way be the Vikings either. Use the run pass. Run, uh, run pass option. Not RPOs. Yeah, those are. I mean, that's the Chiefs are. They they use that. They utilize that to the. A maximum. lot of teams are Falcons. Philly I mean, really good at it. The linebacker comes up, quick slant to DK. Because Russ threw for four hundred yards today quietly though. Yeah, no one would have if you when you someone says four hundred yards, they're thinking really, because the game that score does not show he threw for four hundred yards. When you see that score and you watch the game, you're thinking Russ threw for two hundred. He threw two interceptions, had two touchdowns, but in actuality. No picks, a couple touchdowns. Unfortunately, it was just an ugly performance outside of that. Well, here's the other thing. That is, is, watch this segue that I'm about to do real quick. The problem that I have with Pete's offensive philosophy is that it's like predicated on – well, this, I have several problems with it, mostly because it's soft. And, you know, I hate softness. But one thing that is predicated on – or it's, it's based on this notion that, like, running the ball is safer than passing the ball. A, I think that's – when you – Yes, for the most part, depending on the quarterback, if you have someone who hucks it like Andrew Luck or someone who like panics under stress like Kirk Cousins, or even someone who's inaccurate like Cam Newton, possibly. When you have Russ, who's efficient and risk-averse, I think you can alter that philosophy a bit. The second part of that is your boy Chris Carson keeps putting the ball on the, f- on the ground. 
That's we should have made a might have opened the show with that. Four fumbles in three games? No, it's it's really becoming an issue right now. I think it it is an issue. It's like problem. Where's the pa- we got a panic button? Hang on, a panic button. It. I'm gonna get you a panic button. To keep it at your house. Bing, 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 bing. You fumble the football. You run a mile. Like, come on, man. What's up with your boy? He's yeah, that's having, your, that's your having, man's. <laughs> he's he's running, holding like a loaf of bread, man. He's not. There's no. When you when you saw the replay, when I saw the replay on Sunday of him fumbling on the one that was great effort by the defense, but when he was running, it wasn't secured. It was he was just running. Well, he was trying to tuck it. No, it has to be not trying. It needs to be. I'm tucked. with you. I'm with you. There's no trying. When you get through the linebackers and you're heading to the safeties and you're trying to get out, that ball needs to be tucked just in case a defender comes up from behind and tries to strip it. Because in that situation, you saw what happened. Perfect punch out, the ball came right out. And at first, I'm thinking, oh, it's it's a dead play. It wasn't a fumble. But then the Saints are picking up, they're running him back, and I'm thinking – they must know something I'm not, but I'm I am used to seeing the defense just running it and scoring it anyway, even though they know it's dead. But for this mm. reason, I'm thinking, oh, he probably fumbled. And considering the last few games, last two games to be exact, he has fumbled. Mm-hmm. And then there's the replay. Oh yeah, he definitely fumbled. Knee was not down. Great effort, but you got to tuck the ball, man. Tiki Barber is high, the, high and tight. High. He's one of the best. It looks funny when he's running, but his fumbles. He's one of the best at it. He didn't fumble the football. Yeah, so here's the here's a, the tricky thing with Chris Carson, right? And people keep asking about it, and it's good. It's, it's worth talking about. The tricky part is Chris Carson is one of the best players on the team, right? That's offensive players, one of the best offensive players on the team. You can't just bench him, right? Because, A, your other running backs have health issues. Rashad Penny didn't play today. Hamstring? Hurt his hamstring in practice, right, it's to the point where he couldn't play, which is pretty bad, right, because they don't even hit and stuff in practice. Like, they practice hard, but not, like, that hard. We should be pulling hammies, right? You're in pretty good shape and everything. But uh, CJ Process is your other back. No one's counting on CJ to be healthy, right? I think he's healthy right now, but, you know, it only takes one play, and then, you know, he couldn't be on IR. So then you're benching Chris, and you're banking on health from two lesser talents. That's the first problem. Second problem, you don't want to lose Chris mentally. You bench a young player like that, and then next time he actually does get on the field, because you're going to use him still. Even if you're not featuring him, you're going to use him. But when, you, when he's out there, he needs to still be effective. He's most effective when he's playing fast and not thinking about making mistakes. It was to my point about Rashad Penny and him not getting his groove going. Well, he was playing with the second and third string. You need to get him reps with the first string, building his confidence. You can't just throw him out there randomly. All right, get some yards, and he gets stuffed. Then you put him on the bench, and then you throw him out there against the starters. His confidence is shot. You got to get him slowly back into the game, get him with the starting unit, let him get some touches here and there, get his confidence up, and then keep it going, keep it consistent. And that same to your point with Chris Carson. Yeah, he fumbled the football, give him a little break, but get back in there and keep feeding him and feeding him and feeding him and see if he can break one, get his confidence. You don't want to, you don't want to sit the guy. But to your point. Then the problem with that though is if he keeps fumbling, then he, forces, then he forces your hand. I don't foresee that to be an issue. He keeps fumbling. I think this is it. That's the hope. I mean, yeah, that's the hope. There's nothing to suggest that he's not going to keep fumbling. He has fumbled in like every way possible. And you have to remember now, every team coming in, they're going to try and get a fumble. Yes. Chris Carson has to put two hands on the ball. And it's going to be in his head. It's one of those where you got to be in practice and his teammates are considered just try to punch it out. 
even when even when the play's dead, when he's when the, the whistles are blown, defenders, his teammates are still trying to punch the ball to secure that. That's crazy. That's what they do. They do that well, every day in practice. Continue doing it. Yeah, that's and that's the other tricky part. There's not much a team could do when a guy's fumbling. Like, what are you going to do? Hey, Chris, every day in practice, hey, Chris, don't fumble. Uh, like, the, the extra stuff that you're talking about, they already do it. There is no more way, there's no way for Pete to be, like, to emphasize fumbling any more than he already does. Show him more highlights of Tiki Barber. I mean, Chris knows how to not fumble. He just ain't doing it. Like, that's the that's you got to give credit to the defense. They, when he's getting to that second level, he might not be the fastest guy, but you have to tuck it away. And if it's not tucked away, there's an opportunity for that defense to poke it out. And unfortunately, that has happened. See, and it, that's the other thing. He's not even fumbling all the time on the second level. Yeah, he fumbled it. T.J. Watt came through, and he was just holding, holding it as if it was, it was just wasn't even tucked. He was just holding it, getting through the line of scrimmage. Boom! One punch, right on the ball, fumble. I, I like this. On last thing, on Chris, before he takes some questions, because we got a lot of questions. I did like what Pete Carroll said after the game. Like I'm paraphrasing here, but the final line was basically, I'm going to help him believe in himself because he's a fantastic competitor and a ball player, and he deserves that support from us. Yo, that's what I'm talking about was confidence. You can't just say, Chris, we love you, we love you, love you, believe in you, you're a great runner, you're a great runner, all this positive reinforcement, and then just give up on him because you're going to lose him. But he's a young player, you're going to lose him. It doesn't mean he's just going to suck. But you're going to lose him. And you can't really afford to do that. It's like some like mental gymnastics you got to do. But you got to be careful because you don't just want to be like make it seem like it's okay what he's doing. Because if he keeps putting the ball on the ground, Chris, you, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care if Russell starts doing it. If you turn the ball over, you are a liability. You are not an asset. And maybe they cut his carries down a little bit. Don't use him as much. They have a healthy CJ Pro size. Get him in the game. Get him some touches. Let Chris have 15 and 20 carries instead of 25 to 30. He had 15 today. Well, and I fumbled. Wonder, I wonder why. He probably would have had more had he, did, had he not fumbled. But my thing is just keep between 20, 20, 15 to 20 carries a game. Keep his confidence there and see what else happens. Get CJ going in the game. Get these other guys going. Don't just rely on Chris entirely because that's a lot of pressure on Chris. And I mean, he should be able to handle it. But. He should be able to handle it, but right now he's had three fumbles or four fumbles in three games. He's not handling it well. Take a little bit off, let him get comfortable with 15, 20 carries, and then have a conversation. Hey, we're thinking about upping up to 25 again, 25, 30. What do you think? Oh, I'm ready, coach. Let's do it. That's that's what you're going to have to do right now. Just get get him comfortable again and take it from there. Because right now I don't think he's comfortable. I think they should just go running back by committee. <laughs> Forget it. For real, bro. You can't, no, I, just, I can't put you. the ball on the ground, man. No, I hear you. You just can't put the ball on the ground. Turnovers cost you games. Yes, man. We just watched the Wazoo game the other day. Hell, we we played flag football and found out how turnovers. I think cost everything's games. a fumble <laughs> after that Wazoo game. We fumbled like twelve times, bro. It was back and to no. back to back. Oh, uh, yeah, bro. It was just r- r- ridiculous. So I think it's that would be my solution. Is a running back got by committee. That's not a benching, but it's definitely like letting you know, like we will take the ball out of your hands if you're just going to give it to the other well, team. That's to my point. Instead of giving them that many carries, just take a little bit away. I know you're talking about. Hey, you know, you're not starting right now. Sorry, you're like, gonna, we're gonna we're definitely putting if Rashad Penny is healthy, he's gonna play a lot more today. CJ yeah. size than you. Like an even split. Like right now, Chris is the guy, and then like Rashad and CJ are the okay. are the backups. There is no backup, no starters. Just you're go, all just exactly, just go straight. Everyone gets ten carries. Uh, for real, I hear you. Like uh, like they're doing. I think their splits pretty even in Denver. I think there's some other teams. And Royce, Freeman. Royce Freeman. I think okay. there's some other splits that are pretty like even. That's just kind of how it has to be until Chris. I wonder if it was uh, no Mark Ingram. He came in 
in the goal line situations when he was with New Orleans, right? I think yeah, that was a pretty decent split too. Okay. I think Philly has like a timeshare thing going on. I think Chicago has something like that going too with like Mike Davis and the Singletary well, maybe, cat. Maybe they try that. Next or not week. Singletary, Montgomery. Montgomery, the guy that just trapped. But yeah, it, until Chris can prove he's not going to put the ball on the ground, you got to split it up evenly and give everyone a chance to be the starter. The starting job should be up for grabs right now. Well, you put the ball on the ground, that's what it is. I hear you. Simple, simple, simple in playing. I'm just going to stick with, just give him less carries. Let's let's see, 15 to 20, and then, yes, CJ can get seven. If Rashad Penny's healthy, he can get about seven, eight. That'll, I think that'll work out fine. It's a lot of running. It is, but the Seahawks love to run. Oh, one last thing before we get to questions, because we got a lot of questions. The reason that we're saying four fumbles in three games, because I am giving him the fumble from the Pittsburgh game where he gets hit right in the backfield. But he actually fumbles before he even gets touched. Yeah, it's almost a drop there. There you go. Yeah, it, gets, it got credited <laughs> in the stat sheet as an aborted uh, snap on Russell Wilson. So I think he technically has the turnover. But it's that was Chris's fault. And I, I'm pretty sure he's treating it as such. So there's that. He got to be better. Four fumbles in three games. We keep getting better because we keep getting more and more questions. We thank you guys for asking these. We got quite a few. Excuse me, quite a few. We're going to get right to it. Let's start off with JRB at... JR Batman 23. As I'm sitting here eating candy corn, plug, man. Pl- candy corn is so good. I was wondering if you could answer my question. After week three, what would you say, Mike, is the weakest position group on the team? Um, Candy corn is disgusting. Um, you should be ashamed of yourself. Let's see, the weakest position group. That's a good question because I think the offensive lines and defensive lines have comparable levels of talent. Like, they're both equally as talented you know what I mean? But I think the defensive line is playing the weakest. But I don't necessarily think they don't have as much talent as the O-line. I don't I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Like, I don't think it's the secondary. Like, other than that Tedrick play uh, in, the, in the, uh, week one and then the flea flicker for Juju Smith in, like, week two, they're not really getting to- toasted like that, you know? Like, even today it was tackling, but, I mean, everybody was tackling poorly. It wasn't like it was just secondary. So I would... I'd probably go the defensive line. I mean, where was there was no pass rush. And there really hasn't been for like nine quarters. Or excuse me, that's too many quarters. Like seven. Like seven quarters has really not been any pass rush. Did they even hit Teddy Bridgewater today? Like, come on, man. So I would say right now the D-line is looking shaky. Shaky, shaky, shaky. All right. Candy corn disgusting. Next up, Mr. Collins. First, Stephen Collins. Keeping it consistent for my questions. Who are your top three and bottom three performances from today? Feel free to throw some coaches in there as well. Oh, Stephen, he know us. He said, <laughs> "Feel free to." Okay, I'll do. A, I'll do a bottom three. That's pretty easy. Uh, Pete, Pete, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> For real, I don't care about his little broken nose, man. You gotta, you, you gotta be better. So yeah, Pete's definitely in there. I would say, oh man, that's tough to single out individuals. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. If really, I really do want to go Pete, Pete, Pete. I mean, the up front was not great. Oh, Chris Carson. Duh. Yeah. Chris Carson, Pete, and Chris. After that, it kind of doesn't even matter. Maybe this, maybe somebody up front. I'm not really sure. Maybe Clowney or somebody. I have to go look at the film for that. But, yeah, the Pete and Pete's nose and then Chris. Can those be my three? <laughs> Sounds good. Give us your top three, man. My, Guys that performed well. My top three would be Tyler. What did Tyler put up today? Tyler's line was ridiculous. Like, it doesn't matter, but it was, like, ultimately, like, kind of ridiculous. Oh 154 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets and 11 catches. 14 targets. That's, wow. 
That's really good. I would probably then go with Russ. And what did Russ do? Russ threw for 402 touchdowns and then ran for two more. And then, hmm, that's a good question after that. I'd probably go with Bobby. Yeah, he had 14 assisted tackles today. Bobby did? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I'll probably go with those three. I feel good about that. 14 assisted. That means he was just hitting. He was everywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's always, he's always doing that. All right. Mauricio at Gnarly Rad Dad. If you're the offensive coordinator, what do you learn from this game? That the pick, the pick, oh, excuse me. The quick passing doesn't need to be like a consequence, or not a consequence. It doesn't need to be reactionary. I think you should go in trying to do that. Go in and try to get you a rhythm early. Look, they were getting little quick stuff to Tyler and and, and swinging it to CJ, or not CJ, to Chris. Uh, Will Disley had a good game too. Like, there's ways to get everyone involved. You know, that's not, you know, putting a lot of pressure on your offensive line. And you're not putting Russell in a lot of danger, you know. So I think if I'm if I'm shoddy, I'm like, yo, man, we're just not coming out and establishing the damn run. So instead of beating our head against the wall trying to establish it, why don't we use our most dynamic player, which is Russell, especially if Chris is going to be fumbling. There you go. Next up, we have Joey at yo underscore gur yogur. First and goal on the five yard line. Pete Carroll celebrity. Pete Carroll celebrity picks you. Chris to call the next play. What are you calling? I am calling a read option with Russell and Chris Carson. On from the five yard line. Yep. First and goal from the five. Yep. Either Uh, Russ is gonna get run on one on one with the DN, or he's gonna hand it to Chris Carson. He's gonna punch it in. And Chris Carson, pretty much money. I'm calling a slant to lock it. Oh, you are. Oh, come on, man. That was way too easy. I know you. I I knew you were gonna say that. I wanted to throw that in there too, but I'm gonna keep it 100. I'm handing the ball off. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna throw it up to DK. To be what, honest. What about Will Disley, man? Um, I don't know. Does he have deceptive hops? <laughs> Screw it, man. He's six six. Throw it to him. Yeah, no. Will is really good. He doesn't have to have hops. Just be tall. Will Disley is nice, man. He's gonna like probably be second on the team in receiving touchdowns this year. We gave you three options. <laughs> so actually, I'm gonna throw it up to DK though. That's my option. I'm picking that. That's my play. Right. It's gonna don't work. Do- no, I have no problem with it. I just don't want a repeat of. What you just jokingly mentioned. <laughs> right, yeah, no, we ain't gonna have that. <laughs> Next up, Emmanuel Medhane is Jerome Brown is at coach I think I hope I'm saying your last name right. At coach Medhane. Is Jerome Brown on this team after this game? He's been a non factor the first three games. I'm hundred percent certain Gary Jennings can do what Brown's doing so far this season. Dang. Uh, well I mean up. if if Gary Jennings is just gonna do nothing, then you might as well just have Jerome do nothing. I mean I, I if they're both going to do nothing, it doesn't matter. You got me and Chris do it. But I get I get, the, I get, the point is that Jerron's been, you know, ineffective. Yeah, no, I feel you. There's no, they're just, they don't want to throw to him at this point. They can't. I mean, I know JB can get open. I know he's he blocks really well. I know he knows a lot more of the offense. There's a lot of option routes in this offense. You know, I know he's got a better handle on that than Gary does. So there's that. But, oh, man, JB. Did he get targets today? Nope. Yep. I don't think he did. No, no. He did later. In the, oh, he had six targets. Six targets, huh? Yeah, they were all like late when they were just hucking. Rust through fifty times. That's crazy. So career high for Russ, huh? Uh, yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe. Yeah, I know I, against the Houston that's Texans. A, that's a career high. He didn't throw that many times against Houston. Okay. Wow. Congratulations, uh, yeah. Russ. You hit fifty. Yeah. So that mm, six, 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 six targets for JB. Good for him. But yeah, I don't even really think the problem is him. You know, there's just better receivers on the team. DK's better. Tyler's better. Will's better. They get the ball more. There you go. I couldn't give a flying flamingo at 
NKDD96. Oh, that's someone's at name. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Flamingos for bro. <laughs> NKDD96. Why was Russ much more efficient in the first half than the second? Did the rain have any effect on his throwing? Uh, No. Russell's second half numbers are way better than his first, just in his career. Like, his fourth quarter numbers are way better than his first quarter numbers, and so on and so forth. That was with Bevel. That's with Shoddy. That's kind of just who Russ is at this point. Pete Carroll's teams get better as the game goes on. Russ gets better as the game goes on. He's really clutch. I don't think it had anything to do with the rain or the opponent or the play calling. Russ, his numbers are just way better. Like, his fourth quarter numbers are crazy. I think he – does he have the record for more fourth quarter touchdowns in a single season? I believe he actually does. I think he said it last year. I'm pretty sure. Maybe two years ago. So, I mean, that's just kind of how Russell is at this point. Now, whether that's good or bad, you can debate it. I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather my guy be better in the fourth, I guess. Uh, so he's not, you know, he can, he can be clutch. But no, no rain, no play con. That's just who Russell is at this point. All right. Dana OG at Dana OG. She wants to know, is Ramsey an option for Seattle at this point? Uh, Yeah. This thing, I don't think the secondary is that like problematic. But yeah, you got if you can get an all pro talent like Jalen Ramsey, I would probably say that I saw a report. I think this from Jason Lockenfora on CBS. I think he said the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Seahawks, and maybe one other team are in the mix, and that the Chiefs are the front runner, and that the the Jags want two first rounders, but they're probably not going to get two first rounders. It's probably going to take a first, a second, and a player. Now, if I'm Seattle, that's cool. I, you know, you already got two firsts, or excuse me, you have two seconds in a 2020 draft. But if if you want, you can maybe, I don't know, give him a 2021 first, or excuse me, give him a 2021 second, a 2020 first, and you give him Trey. What'd you think? Do it. Now, would they, they do that? I don't know. But that's probably what it's going to take. Is it an option? Yes. I'll put the percentage at maybe like 12 to 15%. Not great. I think the Chiefs are a bit more likely to do it if they're willing to go all in like that and give up some pieces because they really need a better corner. I think the Seahawks secondary is okay. It becomes elite if you get Jalen. If you can get Jalen and keep Shaq, then you're really, really elite. There you go. Ryan Mosher at Ryan Mosh tweets, where would you place the most blame for the loss tonight? The most blame? That's a good question. Um, So our top three is either Chris Carson, Pete Carroll, or poor tackling. I'm gonna go with poor tackling. So I, I I would go with the defense. You can't you can't have no pass rush and tackle poorly. You just can't. Coaches don't have anything to do with that. Well, that leads right into our next set of questions because they're all about the defense. We have a few, starting with Andrew Rasband at Andrew underscore Rasband has a question about the defense. Katie Bourne at Big Swing Theory. Also, and then our last one comes from Drake Waterston, and he also wants to know about the defense. So to sum it up, where the defense can improve, where was that pass rush tonight, or Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, excuse me, and the Seahawks scratch Collier, pressure next to nothing. So you have three questions, basically. Not playing Collier, where can the defense improve, and what was up with the pass rush, Mike? Okay, so scratching LJ Collier is very bad. He was a healthy scratch today. I don't care if Ziggy played. I don't care they got clowning now. Whatever. You play your first round pick should never be a healthy scratch. Playing as especially in his first year. Yep. Like you gotta see what he's got. Scratching him healthy is bad. Bad, bad, bad. There's no way around that. 
That just means they don't think he was as talented as the other guys they put out there and he could not help the team win as good as the other guys. That is a problem. That needs to be addressed, and it is not a small problem. Your first-round pick should not be no healthy scratch in week three. No, that's bad. Rashad Penny was the same way. He didn't he didn't get the healthy scratch, but I think last year he didn't play a snap against the Rams at home and didn't play a snap against Detroit. That is bad. Very, very bad. I don't know if he would have made a difference. I doubt it. He would have made a difference Sunday. But I think that's like a quiet part. Like, come on, man. That's... We we need to be talking about that. Like DK Metcalf has been treated like he was the first round pick. As much as we talk about him, but it's really LJ, and he has not shown anything uh, since coming back from that ankle injury. And they had a pass rush was bad, man. Bad, bad, bad. I don't care about the quick passes and the screens and all that. Every team does quick passes and screens, man. Most most teams aren't just standing back there and holding it, right? Like, I mean, maybe the Texans are. That's why Deshaun Watson dies every week. <laughs> but like, he even still gets he, he gets sacked. You can get sacked on. You got to beat the guy in front of you. Yeah. Where's Clowney? Did Ziggy play today? Who was Brandon Jackson? Rasheem Green? Quinn Jefferson? No. He's going through the whole... Kendricks? The whole... By Al Woods. Man, he actually lined up on the center. Can't do that. That was bad, too. On a field goal. Brian Monet. I don't know what to... It was nothing today. Yeah. The Seahawks allegedly have these nice new pass rushers. I ain't seen them. I ain't seen them. No, that's, that's... Come on, man. Come on, man. That's bad. And my bad is Andrew... Raz Band, not Brand. Raz Band. Excuse me on that. We have another question. This one's from Kerry Pavish Anderson. Kamara seemed to be quite a factor in today's ge- in Sunday's game. Is he that much better than our defense, or is it the fact that they're just missing him and they simply are not tackling in general on Sunday? Uh-huh. Was, our, was the defense terrible in studying him? Were they too laxed? No, you don't got to. I mean, you you don't have to do much studying to know you got to tackle to do with the ball, right? What's what studying you got to do? You you see the guy in front of you. You follow your technique. I think you tackle saying more to the point of them utilizing him in the game and how they should probably double him on certain occasions just try to get the ball out of his hands, maybe. Um, no, nah, it wasn't even that. It just, yeah, he is a lot better than the people. Everyone that tried to tackle Kamara, Kamara is better than, with the exception of Bobby. I mean, if you think about it that way, then yeah, the answer to the question is yes. He's better than he's a better player than Stavian. He's better than KJ and Bradley and Shaq. Like Kamara was the what the second best player on the field today, third, I don't know. It's top four. One of the best five players on the field was Kamara. That's just the case. So yeah, he is that much better than everybody on the Seahawks defense except for Bobby. Now does that excuse the poor tackling? Hell nah. <laughs> you get paid to tackle. You should tackle. I think that's very simple. Also, he gets paid to make you miss. You know, sometimes he'll win. He's really good. He won a lot today. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, bro. 20 missed tackles. Easy. All Easy right. today. It was disgusting. Our last question comes from Rico Connects at Rico Connects. Identity. Who are the Seahawks offensively and defensively? Is the offensive line improved or not? Or is Shoddy Bevel 2.0? Man, that was like four questions in one. Um, So offensively and defensively. I will. I wrote. I wrote about this. I'm gonna write about it more tonight. But by the time this podcast drops, it'll be out. The Seahawks are just an ugly team. That's their identity right now. They're ugly. They had an ugly win to start the game or start the season. They had an ugly win after that. They had an ugly loss after that. They ugly. They the ugly ugly person at school. Everybody's like, "Hey, bro, you ugly." Don't mean you can't glow up. Like you a freshman right now. Ugly glasses, braces, all that Dang, stuff. Dang, you just called me out. What? I had glasses and braces. 
It's cool, bro. You glowed up. You got the beard. You get your hair cut every two hours. And you straight, bro. There you go. You know, you good. The Seahawks ain't glowed up yet. They ugly. Offense, defense. They're not turning the ball over. They're not getting a pass rush. They're not running it well. And, yeah, it's all it's all ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Is the O-line improved? Uh, yes and no. The running game is really bad. Like, the fact that they can't really get it going yet. They're, like, popping a big one here and there. But not really establishing it and getting a good rhythm going. They haven't really run the ball well consistently against anybody, which is bad, through three weeks. And what was the last part? Oh, it's shoddy just Daryl Bevel 2.0. Is that an insult? That's pretty disrespectful. Was Bevel a bad OC? Personally, I thought Bevel was great. Seahawks felt to move in a different direction. But you got to blame Mike Solari. Well, you call a play and your dudes can't block. It's not on bevel well okay okay here, here here's here's what i'll say uh, not I'll, mike solari excuse me tom, tom cable. cable i know what you meant uh, but yeah thank you for clarifying i'll say this about the ocs the ocs call the plays they develop all the stuff they you know they teach it whatever they are just doing what Pete carroll wants to do philosophically and i think that philosophically that's the like that's the bigger issue than like individual plays it's a mentality this team has a mentality that, oh, damn, it's first and 15. Well, we ain't picking this up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's third and 12, they're just like, oh, well, well here's this draw to CJ Procise or Mike Davis. Or just run it up the gut real quick and punt. Now, that's who they are. That's who they've chosen to be. It's soft. Fans hate it. You know, if there's an incompletion or, or, or a negative play on first down, it's like, oh, that was second and 13. You know what they're going to do? Run it. If it's third and a mile, what are they going to do? A screen. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, but that's what Pete wants. That's the identity he's built. Play is safe. Play not to lose. Field position, defense, all those things. Whatever. It won him a championship. Good for you, coach. But people will get frustrated by it. But Shadi and, and Bevel, they're, all they're doing is what Pete commands. Like, Pete, everything they do is an extension of their coach's offense philosophy. And until the head guy changes, the OCs are just going to be different versions of the same dude. With a tweak or two here and there. So is he shot is shoddy bevel 2.0? Yes and no. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I hope that made sense because I thought a lot about that before I said it. Well, that was all our Twitter questions. We want to thank everyone for asking. We appreciate the love and support. Before we go, Mike. Bro, that was like a bazillion questions. We're gonna keep getting bazillion questions. Win or lose. Yeah, I appreciate the love. It's fun. But before we get out of here, hot take. Oh man, you're gonna give me a hot take. It's been a minute, man. Um, let's see. I think that I can't think. Does it have to be just for the Seahawks? Remember, Mike, there's no limits. We talked Seahawks for 46 minutes. This can be about anything. I think the Dolphins win a game before the Steelers do. Woo! That is flaming. I know, right? That's it, that felt good. That f- I could feel the spice coming off Damn. when I said that. That was good. The Dolphins didn't look that bad today, did they? They lost 24-6. to I don't think it can get much better. All right. <laughs> I believe in Josh Rosen. <laughs> this has been another episode. Who's better, Josh Rosen or Mason Rudolph? Josh Rosen. Think so? See? See? Thought a question. There you go. I've only seen Mason once, and he didn't really show me much, but hey, he got two touchdowns. He got a touchdown. Damn, was it really 24-6? to Yeah, they got destroyed, man. Oh, it was 31-6. to Oh, excuse me. Damn. You want to take that back? Too late now. <laughs> nah, I'm with it. I'm with it. The Dolphins play the Chargers next week. That's a shot. It's a and loss. The, oh, the Bengals play the Steelers. Damn. Both of those teams suck. 
<laughs> I'll stand by it. I'll stand, stand by it. it. Well, there's the hot take, man. Anything else you want to add before you shake? No. I'm good. Appreciate the love. There it is. We'll catch y'all later this week, man.